Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 214 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I am joined by a special guest, Bachelor star turned science communicator here to share love and curiosity for the animal world. In this episode, we discuss pigs and their achievements in some surprising endeavors from digging up truffles and thriving in the wilderness to playing video games and basking on the beaches of the Bahamas. Just the Zoo of Us presents Pigs with Kendall Long. It's Ellen Weatherford with Just the Zoo of Us, your favorite animal review podcast. I'm very excited this week to be bringing y'all a new friend. This is Kendall Long. Say hi, Kendall. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm so excited to be talking to you. Kendall, really quick, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk about this animal because it's one that is in my heart and in my mind all the time, but I'm really excited to like get into this animal. But before we get into our animal, let's talk about you. Kendall, what got you into the work that you do communicating animal science? Um, I've always had a big passion for animals, documentaries, and all of that growing up. I constantly would read books on entomology, zoology, botany. And so it just kind of started as a curiosity. I collected taxidermy when I was younger as well. So I would wow. go to like natural history museums and see like all these animals up close and then find specimens, whether it be like at garage sales and then take them home and research about them. So I've always been surrounding myself with animal type things since I was younger. Did you have a favorite piece that you collected? I have a piece called Pegos Bill, and it was a boar's head, actually. And it was the first piece of taxidermy I ever got. And I got it at this flea market, and it was super dirty. One of the teeth was missing. And um, <laughs> A fixer-upper. So, a fixer-upper, definitely. A lot of my taxidermy is because it's always, like, secondhand. And so, yeah, that was the first piece that I got. And I just remember being so proud because I actually haggled the guy down to, like, $50. And so that in its own is an accomplishment. I've never in my life had like the confidence to like haggle with anybody on anything. I'm just like, that's the price it is. Got it. That's like probably the only thing I've ever been able to haggle down in my entire life. Because that's your trophy. Yeah, it is. I'm like, because I literally had no other money. And that's the only reason why it probably worked because he's like, oh, yeah, she actually doesn't have more. She's not really haggling. She's just like trying to get this beat up piece of taxidermy that no one else will probably get. So (laughs) I've always been kind of like neutral towards taxidermy until I also went to like a museum. It was a biodiversity museum where they had like academic taxidermy where they had like specimens of like extinct animals taxidermied in this museum so that like scientists could still study them. I thought that was so cool. It is. You learn so much through going to natural history museums. There's this uh, natural history museum in Germany that I just went to, and they had such an extensive collection. And so many of the things that you see, you'll never be able to see in like real life. And when taxidermy was first brought into people's lives, it was during a time when they never saw like a lion or they'd never seen like a zebra before. But it's always sad to source that taxidermy. So uh, that's why I do like to get secondhand taxidermy because, you know... <laughs> 
It seems like it slots really well into like morbid child curiosity. Were you maybe also a Pompeii kid or a Titanic kid, perhaps? Like, <laughs> I've heard of those things. But no, I've really gone to that level. It's always been about like collecting animal skulls that I'd find on hikes, or like one time I collected a dead snake and I put it in a shoebox and like these inside of it and like it explodes. It was just like everywhere. So um, <laughs> glamorous youth activities. Exactly. You know, you were that child, girl. <laughs> yeah, I was that weird girl. Like my parents initially were like, oh, no, like, but then they eventually like encouraged me and they're like, okay, like it's, she's fine. She's mentally stable. So <laughs> we can work with this. We can work exactly. with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they bought me some taxidermy too. So, you know. Oh, we love supportive family. <laughs> you mentioned that you just saw a really cool museum in Germany. You've been doing a lot of traveling recently, doing science communication in different parts of the world. I know you just got back from Madagascar, which is a huge trip. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, what got you into these travels for science and what are some highlights? Yeah, I mean, living in Germany, I'm a lot closer to so many different areas. So it's made traveling a lot easier. But with Madagascar, I was working with another bachelor star, Blake Moines, and he does a lot with conservation, animal conservation. And uh, he kind of reached out to me and he's like, hey, I know you're really like excited about animals and all this. Like, do you want to go on a conservation trip, a lemur conservation trip to Madagascar? So that's initially how that trip got started. And it was Almost three weeks, we are trekking through the jungles of Madagascar, and I am a huge entomology nerd. And of course, I was so excited seeing all the lemurs, but when I saw some of the bugs that were in, like, the jungles, I was, like, so excited. Like, there was this one bug called the flatted leaf bug, and the nymph of it, like, the honeydew that the nymph produces feeds, like, mouse lemurs. So when I saw oh, that... That's so cute! It's so cute, and it's, like... <laughs> certain ants that live inside the stems of plants and giant roly polies and huge like comet moths i mean like so yeah i really nerded out on all the bugs when i was there so <laughs> did you see a giraffe necked weevil because that's yes. like you did no way <laughs> i'm so happy you said that i did okay so i saw a male and female I saw oh it on two separate occasions, but one occasion there was like a male with a really super long neck because they have the really long necks and the female with a shorter neck. I was really hoping I was going to be able to see like a jousting between the two males, but I never saw that happen, unfortunately. That is so cool. And and yeah, like the mammals do get the spotlight a lot when we're talking about like, you know, all the beautiful wildlife that lives in places like Madagascar, especially with Madagascar being an island, you get really funky like animals that have been geographically isolated for hundreds of thousands of years. So like they get really bizarre adaptations you don't see anywhere else in the world. But yeah, people are usually looking for the lemurs and the fusa and like the more like charismatic mammals and stuff. But you got to look down. Look down at your feet. Look for the look for the little guys because there's stuff going on down there. <laughs> it is, and it's just so crazy to see like like huge ant colonies that are growing on the side of trees. And the really cool thing about Madagascar, it's so incredibly biodiverse. Like there's just mm -hmm. so much going on everywhere. And a lot of the species you see, like you said, you'll never see anywhere else. When I was looking at things, I was like, this probably only exists on this island. It's what made the trip really special. Probably a lot of cool lizards, too. I know that's a lizard hotspot. <laughs> oh, yeah. We also saw a baby boa, actually. <gasps> wow. So our guides found the baby boa on the side of a road, and so we were helping to relocate it inside the forest. And that was really cool because, like, its body was just, like, so 
cold and strong. Ugh, it was just like, yeah, so many cool reptiles. Uh, also a lot of geckos that were um, like moss mimicking leaf-tailed geckos. Which wow. So well into the tree that you couldn't even tell it was there right in front of your face. But somehow <laughs> our guide saw it from our moving car. I was like, how can you see this gecko that is like, looks like it's part of the tree? I don't know. My mind is blown on many separate occasions. So <laughs> I wonder if it's the sort of thing where they're like, yeah, that's Jeff. He's always there. Yeah, that's his tree. <laughs> he just painted a gecko on the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and like they're going by in the moving car so like they're like well, you're not gonna know <laughs> exactly it doesn't move at all but it's still you know but we saw a lot of chameleons too which were really oh cool. my gosh um, we did some night hikes which it's easier to spot chameleons at night because when they don't have the sun to reflect on their skin like the crystals in their skin they are white so you can kind of spot wow. them easier and when you shine your flashlight on them they start absorbing the color again so you can like see them get all their cool colors that's really neat. Like a ghost chameleon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when the ghosts come out. Exactly. Spooky. Spooky hike. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You also mentioned that Blake, who you went on this trip with, was also a Bachelor star. Something we hadn't mentioned yet is that people listening may recognize you from your time on The Bachelor. I have to admit, this is a little bit of a media blind spot for me, but this was something that kind of like let you spread your your love for animals to the world. Did you want to talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, being on The Bachelor was laughing, crying, kissing, you know, all the things. So <laughs> it was, you know, I haven't watched the show in actually a while since I've been on it. But yeah, it was a really cool experience. Um, I met a lot of really interesting people through it, especially Blake recently. And Samantha, who's also someone who was on a recent season that they're on for Bachelor in Paradise. It's another show that I was on. But yeah, since then, I really kind of decided to use my platform for things I was passionate about. And it was difficult for me to put my social media towards, I don't know, like uh, the more of like the traditional kind of thing that you'd expect. So I just started talking about animals and things that I was researching at the time and reading about. And uh, it's turned into something that's been really exciting. So yeah, doing a podcast with it, continue to do videos and like TikTok and Instagram. So I really enjoyed doing that. When we were talking a minute ago before I hit record, I described it as a Trojan horse, which maybe for a lot of people, they're like, oh, I know Kendall from The Bachelor. I'm going to go follow you on TikTok. Oh, it's moths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what is she doing talking about like all these bugs and all these weird animals? Like she has a weird obsession with pigeons and, you know. <laughs> Pigeons are obsession worthy, though. I will say if you're going to get obsessed with an animal, pigeons are a great one. Yeah, they're just like such funky creatures. And they're as diverse as dog breeds. I mean, like, I don't know, I could talk all day about pigeons. So. Yes, <laughs> I could too. But I got to pump the brakes because we're not talking about pigeons today. We are talking about, which is also an animal that, you know, spends a lot of time around humans where we have a long, extensive history living in a close relationship with these animals. Kendall, I would love to know what your relationship to pigs is like like have you been around pigs a lot like did you spend a lot of time around pigs growing up not really i think i've just always had this fascination with owning a pig ever since i was really little because for my brother's birthday he had a petting zoo and there was a pot-bellied pig there like a baby pot-bellied pig 
And I was so obsessed with this pig that I would oh my like, gosh. carry it around everywhere. I would <laughs> pet it. I was, like, that annoying kid at the petting zoo that was like, this is basically my pot belly pig. <laughs> I got so obsessed with it that I tried to hide it in my room when they were packing up and ready to go. Uh oh. For the day, uh, like the uh oh. And so um, I think they're gonna notice. <laughs> yeah, they did notice, unfortunately. And so I remember him coming up in my room with my mom, and they're like, "Do you have something?" And I'm like, "Maybe." And so uh, he's like, "You know what? You can buy this pig if you want." And I was like, "Yes." My mom's like, "No." So unfortunately, we didn't buy the pig. But maybe fortunately, because there's really is no such thing as a teacup pig or a pig that stays small forever. So. That's really where it began, my my uh, obsession with pigs. And of course, I was in like the teacup pig craze. And I just think they're just such fascinating creatures because they are one of those species that has grown alongside with humans. And I think some people tend to not really appreciate those kinds of animals as much as they should. I mean, it's so impressive when any species can live side by side with humans for as long as pigs have. And thrive, right? And like be doing well. You've got the domestic pigs, right? The pigs you're going to see in a farm, you're going to see them in a barnyard. But then you've got the rogue pigs that have struck out a life on their own on the open trail. <laughs> Is this the same pig that's that's living out in the wild? Yeah, pigs are very adaptable to whatever environment you put them in. And initially, the first pigs that were brought to America were domesticated pigs. And from then, they just kind of spread and thrived in the American environment. And they do that in so many other countries. And I, I went to a pig museum in Germany. A pig museum? Yeah. And <laughs> I, of course I had to go. It was like one of the first places I went to visit when I moved to Germany. I'm booking my ticket as we speak. Here I come, pig museum. <laughs> it's very much worth it. And they talk about both the domesticated pig and the wild pigs that are a result from like pigs just kind of like escaping because they're amazing escape artists oh yeah and then once they get out there they're like i'm home baby this is great <laughs> i love this <laughs> you mentioned that they're escape artists i have a little story with pigs a couple years ago when my youngest son was a newborn my husband and i were in our living room just watching tv late at night and we lived in a very suburban neighborhood. You know, all the houses are really close together, manicured, HOA sort of looking neighborhood. And we hear outside of one of our windows in our living room, we hear. And we're like, surely, <laughs> surely that wasn't what I think it was. That cannot be. And so we looked outside and there's six fully grown adult pigs just wandering down our street through our neighborhood. And we look around and like all of our neighbors have come out of their houses because they're like, there's pigs here. <laughs> but they don't. Everyone's looking around like, whose pigs are these? How did they get here? What happened? Wait, and those. In your room. <laughs> <laughs> Grab one. Come on, bring it inside. Um, the HOA would be so mad. So. <laughs> these pigs are just walking through and we're i'm dying laughing this is easily the funniest thing that's ever happened to me we're watching these pigs just like walk through they're like rooting through people's like you know how like people take really good care of like landscaping their front yards and stuff like that people have like flower bushes and gardens in their front yard and these pigs are just like rooting through them like tearing them up and like hoofing through them and stuff leaving footprints on people's driveways and the the sidewalks and stuff like that 
that. And I'm, of course, like, go pigs. Go. <laughs> Anarchy. <laughs> spread. Spread through the town. <laughs> so they, I took so many pictures of these little pigs rooting through. And it was Christmas time. So there were Christmas lights everywhere, which is really funny. And uh, apparently they had escaped from a very close by, like, like somebody's home that they had a farm in. And uh, were just taking themselves for a little walk. And I guess in the middle of the night, that guy had to rev his tractor up and bring it down into our neighborhood and load all the pigs up. So it's kind of like they're going on a little tour of the neighborhood. They were on tour, yes. So just like you said, escape artists and totally happy. Yeah, and that's what they do. I mean, they get into like agricultural areas and they just like kind of devastate all the plants there just because they're hungry. You know, they just want to eat. So there is a big issue with pigs in a lot of areas, especially like America now, where they will cause a lot of uh, damage agriculturally. So, Yeah, you can run into that a lot in the southeast. You got feral hogs and them little dudes are no joke because if you run into one of those in the middle of the night, it is game over. There is nothing you can do to that pig. <laughs> They're hardy animals, they are. Very much so. And if this is your first time ever listening to this podcast, our whole deal is that we rate animals out of 10. Uh, the first category we rate them on is effectiveness. This is physical adaptations, things built into the animal's body that allow it to survive and thrive, find their food, not become food themselves, things like that. What do you give pigs out of 10 for effectiveness? I don't want to be too biased on this, you know? You can totally be biased. Be as biased as you want. Yeah, they got to be around like a seven or eight only because they thrive. I mean, and they can eat pretty much anything. Like they used to use pigs as latrines back in the day. That's rude. <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounds... Don't do that. It sounds disgusting, but like... That is how hardy they are at adapting to things. They can eat like table scraps and things in uh, latrines that you normally would not know what to do with. So because of that, I, I have to put them pretty high up there. And I think weather wise, they can kind of adapt to like most different climates, plants and uh, like from forests to drier areas. I mean, I think they're pretty adaptable. That's true because, you know, the the United States is a huge continent-spanning country that covers a lot of different biomes. You've got forests, you've got mountains, you've got deserts and, you know, straight up rainforests and like the pigs are like it's all good, baby. This all looks good to me. <laughs> Yeah. And they have a great sense of smell, too. So they can, like, forage for things like no one's business. I mean, they are the most successful truffle hunters, uh, more successful than dogs, but they ended up kind of ruining the truffles underground, really? so they couldn't kind of grow anymore. So they're not allowed to be used as truffle hunters anymore, but they were the best oh. at Now, I was wondering about this. What is with, because there is like an association between like pigs and truffles, right? And I'm not a truffle, I don't like mushrooms. I, I'm not a big like fan of the fungal flavor profile. So I don't really mess with truffles, but I, I have heard that like pigs are used to like find them. Yeah, they used to think that because there's a certain hormone that the males excrete called androstenol that make the females the females are really into that certain smell because that certain pheromone is also found in truffles they thought that's the reason why they could find truffles that much more but it ended up actually being a different chemical not androstenol so um yeah that was almost like a per too perfect of a story 
I hate it when facts ruin the drama. <laughs> no. I was like, it's like the, the female pigs are trying to find lovers, but they actually find truffles. And they're like, well, this is also delicious. So why not eat this as well? That's your consolation prize. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But I think they can smell like a lot better than most dogs as well. So that makes sense. They've got the, you know, the, the flared like shape of the nose. It's very aardvark like. But you know what always surprises me when I look at a pig is how like dainty their little hooves are. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you know what I mean? Delicately <laughs> on the ground. Like little tiny ballerinas, the ballerinas of the animal world. I, I just, you expect like a big, like tank like animal, right? That's like big and hefty and bulky. And you expect them to have these big, like, I don't know, rhino hooves or something like that. And they're just, nope. Just little tiptoes. That's how they can sneak around, you know, sneak around without being found. But also, ecologically, we run into a problem when we do have pigs getting into an area where they're not, like, native to is because, like, there's very few predators that can take one down. Because <laughs> this is a little tank of a creature that's running around out there. And if, like, the pred- the natural predators of that area aren't big enough, like, they haven't adapted alongside a pig, they'd be like, I can't do anything with this. <laughs> and they're pretty vicious, too. I mean, I think I saw, I'm not, this isn't necessarily a pig, but I saw a wild hog one time being chased by a cheetah in a video. And the cheetah, like, looked at the pig and was like oh, what the heck are you? And kind of ran away <laughs> from the boar. So I right. think like, they're a lot more intimidating. They have the wild ones have like tusks and they're just like solid creatures. So they're, they don't really have a lot of predators besides probably humans, which is that we are the ones that are responsible for bringing them to other areas to be like a source of meat for us when we kind of like spread to different colonies and stuff like that. So Right. We don't talk about a lot of domesticated animals on this show, but something that is interesting that you can see is how when you have pigs that like either become feral or just like still living in the wild, you can really see what features came about because humans like wanted pigs to be a certain way, right? Because like we wanted them to be better for us to eat. We wanted them to be fatter. We wanted them to be bulkier. We wanted them to like be better for like our consumption, which is I think that's an interesting like when you can compare them to like the way that they just are naturally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think the domesticated pigs can get pretty dang huge. Huge. I think during the teacup pig craze, that was something that a lot of people found out where they were expecting to have like this little mini pig that was bred to be small. And it would end up being around like 400, 600 pounds. And that's still small for a pig, but it's not what you think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely not what you think it's going to be, but it's definitely not like a lap dog, you know? It's <laughs> yeah, people are expecting Yorkie, and then, nope, that's not what you're getting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is a livestock in your house. <laughs> yeah, I always have to think. I'm like, I wonder how big that potbelly pig that I wanted when I was a kid. I wonder how big that pig got. A lot of times they'll like people, especially who want to like market pigs or something like that, like who want to like market them to sell as pets. They'll show you them when they're a baby, right? They'll be like, look, this is definitely as big as this pig's ever going to get when they're like a couple months old, right? <laughs> these are the parents and they're like these like, you know, little juvenile pigs that look just slightly bigger. <laughs> yeah. They're like, these are the parents 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know where they are now. They were sold. <laughs> just a massive pig catfishing operation. Exactly. It's like, oh, did you use an old photo? <laughs> most, most likely. <laughs> Hey there, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our friends on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we are talking ingenuity and aesthetics for pigs, so stick around. 
Hey, Sydney, you're a physician and the co-host of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, right? That's true, Justin. Is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician? No, Justin, that is absolutely not true. Uh, However, our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past, as well as some current not-so-legit healthcare fads. So you're saying that by listening to our podcast, people will feel better. Sure. And isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor? Well, uh, you could say that. And our podcast is free? Yes, it is free. You heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine, right here on Maximum Fun, just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor, but but pretty good. It's up there. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Something that you mentioned is that pigs are really good, have been used for finding things. They have an excellent sense of smell, comparable or in excess of like the smell of dogs, which something that I often think about when I think about pigs is their intelligence. What's going on in that big, beautiful noggin. So for us, the next category that we rate animals on is ingenuity. This is behavioral adaptations, things they actually do with their body to solve problems that they face, you know, get out of trouble if they need to, things like that. What do you give pigs out of 10 for ingenuity? Pigs are incredibly smart. I mean, studies show that they could be as smart as like a three-year-old. So I want to say maybe around a seven. They don't have thumbs. Maybe a six. <laughs> the emotional thumb is something that can get them up there. Really dragging them down. <laughs> exactly. If they had that, they would have everything. And maybe we'd be taken over by pigs. But yeah, I mean, I think there's also so many stories. And of course, like at risk of anthropomorphizing pigs, it seems like they do a lot to like save humans from certain situations. Mm. You know, like there was a woman that was stuck in a bog and she had her pet pig help pull her out and um they've like saved people from burning buildings or if their owner had a heart attack they would try to get help so certain things like that like with the emotional intelligence thing really wants me to give them a higher score with that as well and they know how to play video games which tell me more about this this is exactly in my specific wheelhouse yeah so there was this video game program that was initially designed for chimpanzees So they were trying to kind of train chimps to play for little bits of food. And the chimps kind of lost interest. And so they decided to try it on pigs. And pigs ended up really being awesome at playing with a little joystick and playing video games. So I think they're like the second best animal at playing video games aside from humans. Tell a pig to 1v1 me. Tell him to get, tell him to hop on Fortnite real quick. And <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's the next step. That's the next step. They're like talking and using AI to communicate. <laughs> Can you imagine a Twitch stream that was just like <laughs> a pig? It's a it's pigs playing video games. And then you could like stream their screen so you can see what they're doing on the game. Give them snacks, you know? Oh! 
Save little snacks. <laughs> I'm just saying, if anyone out there has a pig and a video game set up, there's an opportunity out there for you. You could be the first pig Twitch streamer. Oh, yeah. That pig would be living large. Oh, yeah. I also like the idea that the scientists were like, oh, well, the chimpanzees didn't like it. So what else do we, what other animals we got laying around here? Yeah, we got, we got some pigs here in the backyard, you know. Try the pigs. Just, they're so food motivated. Like, I feel like they could be taught to do a lot of things like through that, you know. Like there was also another test where they were able to recognize hidden food in a mirror. And so that's kind wow. of like a, they think in a way that pigs can pass the self-recognition test in a mirror um, because of that. So mm. they could just, they're they like, look, I always like crack up because I'm imagining how the test went down where they're, they're like looking in the mirror and they see someone like hide like a snack behind a pillow and they're like, yes. And they, I don't, it's just so cool to think of like what's going on internally in their minds. Yeah, that would like imply to me that they could like understand that they were looking at like a flipped perspective and then like understand that, yes, while what I'm looking at is in front of me, I understand that it's actually behind me and figure that out. Like my dog could not do that. If you gave her a million years, she couldn't do it. <laughs> I've always tried to do that test with my dog, uh, Pistachio, where I'd hide a treat under a bowl and I'm like, which one is it? Like Even pointing at it too. He's just like, what? Nope. Nothing. <laughs> nope. No, Nothing going on pig, in there. Pigs got it down. Pigs got it down. <laughs> pigs immediately like, I know what's up. I know what's going on. And I've seen a lot of like videos on YouTube of people that do have pet pigs where they like train them to do. I like like I think there was like a really famous video of a pig like playing basketball. Yeah. Right. Pigs are so like good at figuring out little stuff like that, which like you'd think that would translate into them being like, I, I don't know. I I feel like we have dogs, which are incredibly intelligent, and we use them for a wide variety of jobs, right? Like we have working dogs that do any number of things. Like, I feel like there's a missed opportunity here. I feel like pigs could be that, right? Well, because they're really good at sniffing out like gunpowder or mines or certain other things. So they can definitely be used for a lot of the jobs that dogs are used for but i almost wonder if it's more of uh like it could be like a stubborn thing or an emotional mm. thing with pigs you know because dogs are like i'm happy i'm down to do it and i think maybe pigs can kind of like outsmart us in that way and be like, Look, i don't think this treat you're giving me is fair so maybe <laughs> maybe the pigs are going to unionize yeah exactly yeah they they're learning they're growing they have a whole. They know their worth over the world anyway. I, I've seen it's so crazy because I've also seen like certain videos where pigs can like spell out certain words with blocks or oh, like, cool. do things that you wouldn't think were possible. I think they've like been able to like do certain things that dogs do. Like we'll say they, when they see their owner in distress, they can get the phone for them or they can like do certain things. So I mean, I think pigs can do a lot of things that dogs can do, but maybe they're not as agile. Oh, that's true. Yeah, with a dog, they can like jump over things. And, you know, they have a lot of like dexterity and range of movement. But I think pigs are a little limited. I, I don't think they can jump. <laughs> no, not as high. Surely not as high. So. <laughs> you know what? I've heard this rumor. I, I don't know where I keep hearing this. I'm pretty sure it's just like some random little like myth floating around on the internet that like pigs can't look up. Have you heard this? I haven't heard that. I've heard that turkeys, when they look up, they drown. But I yeah, they surely don't do that. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I haven't heard anything with uh, pigs not being able to look up. 
there's this whole thing that like people say that pigs can't look up and I, I think it was probably like a tumblr post or something where someone was talking about like picking up their pig and holding it up so that they could see the sky for the first time <laughs> and it's like oh my gosh what the heck is that <laughs> but like they can look up they just can't look like directly up like 90 degrees up at the sky right but people were like holding their pigs up so that they could see the sky for the first time <laughs> Some like emotional, like inner turmoil. They're like, oh my gosh, the world is so much bigger than I thought it was. And so that existential crisis immediately. Exactly. That's when the next step of evolution happens in pigs, and they ask, why? Why is the sky blue? This is their ascent. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about how, like, if we did use pigs for more jobs, you know how, like, with dogs, when you have a purpose, like a purpose-bred dog, like they're bred for a thing, it changes their body. They have to like adapt their body to that. Like, what if that? What if we did that with pigs? If we had like tactical pigs? <laughs> well, they actually have used pigs in wartime. Way back when, they used to use them to unleash. Because certain armies would use elephants to try to intimidate right. the Romans, I believe. And so they would use pigs and, like, unleash them on these elephants. And they would scare the elephants. <gasps> they would help – I think they helped Alexander the Great win, like, a few wars that way. That's amazing. That is truly military strategy galaxy brain move. Absolutely, like, let's just scare the elephants with pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and pigs could, you know, wreak havoc on and everyone's like, What the heck is happening? and then distract everybody and so they have That's... been used, you know, for different like I wonder if they've those pigs were kind of like more agile or more like able to work in combat. They got the attack mode pigs. Those are the ones like the big tusks where they can like ram into people. The last category that we rate animals on is aesthetics. It's just how nice is this animal to look at? And I know some people go either way on this one. So I truly don't know for sure. I mean, I can kind of read where I think you're going to land on this one. But people can go either way on it. What do you give pigs out of 10 for aesthetics? There, uh, well, it depends. I think pigs are so darn cute. I mean, that's why there was a whole pig craze. That's why I was initially attracted to little pig. But they get pretty intimidating when they get bigger. Mm. But... I still would want to rate them probably around like a seven. Yeah, they're up there for me. You know what I think would really bump them up a little bit? If they were fluffy, I would yes. love that. If they had like little curly, like I think I did see a breed of pig that had like longish curly hair. I'm Googling long haired pig to see what I can find. Oh, oh. Uh, I did see a long haired curly pig and I take it back. I don't wish they were fluffy. I'm changing my mind. I'm making an immediate 180. <laughs> On the fluffy oh pigs. Um, it's not my too. favorite. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you think, oh, like a pig half sheep would be so adorable. And then mm -hmm. you, you look it up and you're like, it's kind of terrifying. But the little hairdos are kind of cute. Like their ears have these curls. I can't see it without immediately having that thing in my brain that's like, that's got to be so dirty. Like oh, yeah. an animal that spends so much time like laying in the mud and like rooting around in the dirt and wallowing and stuff like immediately I'm like, oh, nope, I can see exactly why <laughs> they don't, they're not like this. They shouldn't be hairy. Now I can see how domesticated pigs have evolved to be so hairless. Oh, but I love the little hairy pigs, like the potbelly pigs that have like the spots and everything like that. They're just so... So adorable, and their noses, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like a huge pig fan. This actually, I just was reminded, because I saw one of these pictures is of the kune kune pig. And it reminded me of my favorite thing in the world, which is those beach pigs that like... Yeah. 
Where is that? That's like an island Bahamas. somewhere. The Bahamas. Yes. Oh my gosh, the swimming pigs of the Bahamas. They're <laughs> well, the crazy thing. Did you ever look about like how those pigs got there? I think it's like a huge mystery. No, I have no idea. I just it's one of those things that I keep seeing on my like for you page on TikTok. Right. And every time I'm like, oh, I wish that was me. <laughs> no, me too. I, I, that's like one of the places I definitely want to visit. But I think that how they got onto that island is that Spanish conquistadors like back in the day would just bring pigs with them on ships and like leave them on islands, like mating pairs on islands to hopefully breed and be able to create colonies. So when they went through those islands again, they can like restock their ships because the pig could just be so fine just living on its own without humans to watch over it. That is extremely Spanish behavior. You should be fine. I'll leave them here. Surely this isn't going to affect anything. I'll come back for this later. <laughs> Yeah, and they just happened to forget about the pigs in the Bahamas, and the pigs were like, sweet, now I'm going to be adapting to an island life and just living in the waves. Good for them. Honestly, this this has to be like winning the sort of like uh, birth lottery. Like being born as a pig living in the Bahamas, that has to be the ultimate role. You spawn into the world on easy mode. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I think there was like a Bachelor episode way back in the day where they visited the swimming pigs in the Bahamas, and they said they were really aggressive. Like they would like come up and oh. try to like get the food, and they were like they weren't messing around. Like they learned how to take advantage of tourists for sure. I mean, yeah, right. That's free food right there. Exactly. That's and they're easily bullied. <laughs> yeah it's like don't don't tempt me with like a cracker and like not give it to me right away like, they, like no patience for a photo you know <laughs> and people are probably feeding them 24 7 like people are probably always feeding them so those oh, pigs are like large. oh they're living well they probably have like pineapple coconut every day <laughs> laying in the beach it is also like as adorable and the pr most incredible immaculate vibe I've ever seen in my life. I'm also extremely impressed that pigs can just get in the water and like that they don't immediately sink. They seem so like dense, right? Really good swimmers. You'd think they'd just sink right to the bottom. No, but they're actually really good swimmers, like surprisingly good swimmers. And that was one of the theories as well um, with how the pigs got to the islands is like, <laughs> swimming there. And I was like, like maybe like shipwrecks, like being able to swim to the island from a shipwreck. So I feel like they'd be able to make their way. Listen, it's not outside the realm of possibility because because there's the babirusa, which is the type of pig that lives in Indonesia, and they swim between islands all the time. So it's exactly. not impossible. No, it's not impossible. It's in their blood. It's in their blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think these are the, just the cutest little things. And I don't think it's one of those things where like with puppies and like kittens and stuff, like they evolved alongside humans and like humans shaped them to our will. And so like we made them cuter over time because I almost feel like for pigs, it's like it would be a disadvantage for us if we made them cuter because that would make us not want to eat them. Although if the pig's cute enough and we don't want to eat them, then that's going to let them survive. So I don't know. Maybe that's an adaptation. That's true. Maybe there'll be like kind of two different breeds of pigs. It's like the pet pig that kind of breeds into the more like cutesy puppy dog, big eye kind of thing. And then the ones which are just like little meat factories. That's kind uh, of like how uh, I feel like they have been bred because they can get ginormous. Yeah, to their detriment to a point where like it gets to the point where they wouldn't be able to survive outside of like a farm. No. And that's the unfortunate thing about a lot of domesticated animals is that they're kind of like they're bred so big that they can't really move around much. Yeah, it does. It does get to the point where like it 
impacts their physiology. I know that recently there's been a push for people to uh, change like breeding standards for pugs because pugs like their faces are so scrunched up that it makes them not able to breathe and so it they have just a whole host of respiratory problems and now there's this push to bring back what they call retro pugs where like they're going back to older breed standards to like make the nose longer give them a little more like breathing room I like that. I love that idea because I feel like so many dogs like pugs or bulldogs they're born like 70 years old you know, they can't breathe, they can't move around a lot. They're like, they, their cracks get infected. Um, I used to babysit my friend's Frenchie and I used to freak out in the middle of the night because I would hear it stop breathing for two seconds. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, please don't die on me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I almost feel you see that kind of happen with, with any sort of domesticated, like livestock animals, especially, right? We're not necessarily breeding them with their own well-being in mind it's more for like well what's gonna what's gonna yield the most product for us right oh yeah with chickens like they breed them basically without any bones so they're like non-moving little blobs but with pigs i think that like especially because you go to like a county fair or something like that you see those big i mean like giant half ton animals just laying in the mud and you're like that can't be <laughs> that can't be right how do you move that pig from fair to fair is what i want <laughs> they gotta get a like a forklift or something i know they're trucking these things around <laughs> yeah i wonder what the world's biggest pig is hold on let's find out oh my god i don't <laughs> care for that big bill the world record for the heaviest pig so far is held by big bill owned by elisa buford it was a Poland-China breed of hog that tipped the scales at 2,552 pounds. Oof. That's ginormous. I think that's too much pig. <laughs> it's too much pig. Wow, it looks like a small hippo. It literally looks like a small hippo. They are giving hippo, I think, a little bit. You know what I did want to ask you? I want to ask you how you felt about Charlotte's Web, about the movie <laughs> Charlotte's Web. Was that something that factored into your childhood? I definitely remember Charlotte's Web, and I, I think about that movie surprisingly often in a weird way i don't know why but i think there was something that had to do with saving the runt or saving the little pig and then being able to have it i don't know turn into like an excellent pig or such a great pig that was my jam i rewatched it with my own kids as an adult and i was like this holds up pretty decent it's pretty good it's one of those like timeless ones that i felt like a lot of times you have nostalgia goggles on and you'll revisit your like favorite movies as an adult and you'll be like this is not it but i feel like charlotte's web held up pretty well do you have a favorite pig in media like a favorite cartoon pig or fictional pig I really think of Babe the Pig a lot. I think it was like Babe in the Big Sea. Was he in Italy or something like that? <laughs> I used to watch those movies all the time. And I remember the part of the movie where the evil bully dog was drowning and he saved him like with the boat incredibly realistic depiction of pigs it well yeah and i just was like I, I that was definitely one of my favorite pig movies i think it's called is it babe in the big city or watching babe i w was one of my like hyperfixation movies as a kid and then it was one of those ones i revisited as an adult and it gutted me absolutely destroyed i was like sobbing the whole movie <laughs> the whole thing is so emotional and i was like oh my god <laughs> I need to see that again because I remember it being like a lot of the scenes in there were very almost not traumatic, but they really gave me a lot of feeling, like feelings that I never 
felt when I was younger, you know? It's incredibly evocative. Saving the dog, like, really, like, hit me for, I was like, even though the dog was mean, he was, (laughs) he was good to him, so. (laughs) Such a fun, I I loved that. I loved Babe. That was one of my favorite. Maybe that's where, like, what was laying the groundwork for me, right? Like, maybe Babe got in there, and Charlotte's Web also, like, both, I think, cases of a movie where, like, a pig is underestimated, and then, like, becomes to serve a much greater purpose, and maybe that's where some of my feelings about pigs are coming from yeah they're good in the heart you know well kendall i would love it if before we get wrapped up for today if you could let our friends listening know where they can find you and hear more of your voice i'd love for you to talk about little curiosities and where else people can go after this Yes. So I have a podcast where I talk about things that spark my curiosity. It's called Little Curiosities. And I talk a lot about different animals and things like why are things green? And I do have an episode on pigs, which is, of course, why I love pigs so much. I had to have an episode on that. Um, And then other than that, I put a lot of animal videos and science videos on my Instagram. It's Kendall Long and TikTok as well. Perfect. And I'll have links to everything in the episode description. So anybody listening to this can just scroll down, click through all those links and find them. You can go check it out. If you're listening to this podcast, you can just look it up on the whatever you're using to listen to this. So I highly, highly, highly recommend it because your videos are so cute and like passionate and like peppy and energetic and also like very heartfelt. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of times that enthusiasm is very contagious. When you feel a lot of the passion coming through, you get excited about even if it's something you weren't excited about before, you didn't think you were going to get excited about like you could maybe you're not the type of person who normally gets very excited about pigs or pigeons or moths but like once you start to be like okay well you know what i'm feeling it i'm I'm catching the vibe a little bit yes yes that's the thing it's like i feel like teaching people about things that fascinate me so much and like getting other people's reactions and that's what (laughs) i love doing so much because i feel like it's a way to really kind of uh connect with like the curiosity of things like in the world so for sure well thank you for sharing your curiosity and your enthusiasm and knowledge with us today it has been so much fun thank you so much for spending this time with us today we will talk to you later bye bye thank you for having me Thank y'all so much for listening. I hope that pigs have won you over just as well as they won wars for Alexander the Great. If you liked what you heard today, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice. We read them all the time. They make us really happy and keep us motivated. They really mean a lot to us. So thank you. If you want to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and TikTok. Links to everything will be in the episode description below. You can send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. We'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other wonderful shows, like the ones that you heard promos for here today. You can check those out and learn more about the network and how you can be a part of supporting our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That's all for today. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported 
directly by you.